I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Yeah, you do. No, we don't. A donkey eat eating and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. Legs, ass, belt. But I burst out laughing watching So we've had a fantastic weekend of hurling. Hurling's back. What were we all worried about in a shitty old league? And we were reading too much into it and we have to read stuff now. Two brilliant games on Saturday. Um, lots of controversy. Loads of stuff to talk about. I'm going to try and give each game equal importance but we're going to start with Kilkenny Wexford uh, Paul Murphy like I mean this was the game of the weekend I don't think anybody will, will argue with that hard to know where to start yeah. it has it had everything this game it had letting the game flow like we all wanted it had drama it had controversy it had extra time you name it yeah. um, it had and Hawkeye loves Kilkenny Paul what can we say <laughs> yeah it was, I was laughing I was at the match and uh, I was actually laughing because when Hawkeye turned around with a taw obviously uh, it was a point for Wexford every Kilkenny cheered. fan cheered <laughs> and every Wexford fan was kind of half booing or giving out I said it's the first time you'll see every Kilkenny fan cheering a Wexford point but uh, yeah it was I mean Owen, Owen Murphy was a relieved man um, but yeah where do you start with the match brilliant match end to end I mean we got more than we bargained for even with the extra time so brilliant match both teams I mean there was players dropping with cramp at the end everybody exerted themselves um, and Fergal Horgan had a great match as well so you know huge score and and there was actually a bit of an atmosphere in Crow Park as well, 8,000 people, but there was a great atmosphere. Maybe we're just used to no yeah. crowds at the moment, but um, no great atmosphere. So it was a brilliant match to see, yeah. Imagine, uh, Brian Carroll, what it'll be like when we've 80,000 in Crow Park. You'll have to turn the volume down on your television <laughs> if you say, this is too loud. Uh, look, it was it was a thriller, in all fairness. And look, I, I think Paul has touched on it. Fergal Horgan deserves great credit. They say common sense isn't in the rule book, and it isn't, but by God did he apply it on, on Saturday. And he just let it flow as best he could. He blew up when he had to blow it up. He applied the advantage rule perfectly at times, but he led it back to just that open warfare that we all love about hurling and hard-hitting, and there was loads of tackles flying in. And Wexford threw the kitchen sink at and. I think Wexford would have beaten a lot of teams on the day, only that this Kilkenny team were so primed to try and finally 
not finally, but you know, get one back over on Davy because he has had the upper hand over Kilkenny over the last number of years. And uh, I know he threw a bit of a, a you know, a, a kind of a, 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 a null and void kind of team against them in the league. But it did look that day, because it was down in Nolan Park, it did look like the Kenny were starting to figure out how to finally play against Wexford. And I think that really showed um, on Saturday that they, you know, they, they knew how to play the ball out through the back line really, really well. And they mixed it up lovely with going long at times as well. You know, and, uh, you know, it caused a lot of problems for Wexford. And then Wexford's game plan is so punishing. Um, under players like we know how elite uh, fitness they have you know you're talking Dermot O'Keefe, Lee Chin, uh, Sean Murphy all these guys they're just phenomenal Lee Moog McGovern and to see so many of them go down with cramp it just shows how punishing that that Wexford game plan is um, like I'd say their their GPS numbers are off the charts I'd say they're up there along with any Premier League team and remember they're only playing 70 minutes and then uh, as opposed to 90 and it's high octane stuff as well so uh, you won't be surprised to see so many of them go down with cramp. But you also, the other thing that shows up is how fit this Kilkenny team and how fit they've always been under Brian Cody when he's in charge of them. Well, that was a big thing that uh, struck me. <clears throat> we know Wexford are an all-action team and they are very fit. But geez, Kilkenny were an all-action team yeah. and they, they didn't wane. And like, I mean, Tommy Walsh is running up the field at the end of the game and he's flicking it off the hurl, putting it yeah. over. Like, you can know, if Wexford did that, we'd be lauding their style about how they can attack from everywhere, Paul. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one thing that was really evident in the last uh, 10 minutes of the game was, you know, there was a lot of Wexford players dropping, which, you know, you can't fault them. They're after playing a really hard match. But Kilkenny, especially even the players off the bench, they just had too much in the legs for Wexford. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I think whatever Kilkenny are doing, you know, strength conditioning-wise, they're in a you know great place really at the moment. I think when you're pulling Walter Welch off a bench, you know, he's 100 kg, he's in 6 foot 6 and you're putting him in on a fellow who could be possibly cramping. Jimmy Marr came on. Jimmy Marr has an enormous, uh, enormous amount of running. Um, I think he got popped up with two or three points. Conor Fogarty, Killian Buckley. I mean, the players that were coming off the bench, again, James Bergen came on, had to go back off when Darren Brennan or when Owen Murphy was sin-binned. And then he came back on, I think he knocked over two points as well. So in the last, I think particularly if you're in Crow Park, I mean, he probably wasn't caught on television, but there was a lot of extra players going down. Again, you can't criticise them. They probably just didn't use the bench as much as Kilkenny did. Players were wilting all over the pitch. I think Owen Cody and could see maybe Park Welsh was dropping as well. But there just seemed to be one or two extra more players with Wexford. Again, possibly that situation of their running game catching up on them a small bit. But yeah, it just seemed to be that Kilkenny had the small bit at the end and seven or eight points is probably flattering to win by but once they got that bit of a lead Wexford just couldn't hold them anymore and they just collapsed a small bit yeah that's 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 how it's seen oh, what about the penalty because we're going to give out about the penalty um, later on in the Clare Tip game I think we, everybody listening knows that we're going to get to that <laughs> but in this game in defence of this rule Brian this was the perfect decision this is exactly why the rule was brought in and nobody could complain in any way about this no, I think it's it, it was spot on. It was the perfect example, as I said. I think this rule was brought in to stop the cynical fouling, the, the, you know, the clear-cut goal scoring opportunities. And, you know, Murphy would hold his hands up and say he knew exactly what he was doing. He pulled him down. Um, and the consequence were, obviously, was the penalty. I still think, and again, we can debate this later on, but I still think the sin bin, I, I think it's a double punishment. I think this is where the real controversy uh, allies the fact that there, you have to go 10 minutes without... Um, without the player I just think it's too severe a punishment um, but the penalty as you said absolute perfect call and Darren Brennan was very unlucky because uh, he made a fair effort to stop stopping Mark Fanning's uh, shot it was back across his, his weaker side too for Darren Brennan very very unlucky 
Um, but I think I suppose that the key thing there was Wexford didn't capitalise on the extra man in that that ten minute period of extra time first half. You know they only scored two frees after that, both Lee Chain frees, and you know Kilkenny got a couple of scores. Um, could have got a goal through on Cody as well. He was very unlucky when when it was went over the bar. Um, but somehow Kilkenny worked the way back into it to only be a point down. Um, you know, getting back on level parity going into that second second period of, of extra time. Just in the lead up to that penalty, what was Paddy Deegan thinking? To lob yeah. a, a, a ball back in across the field with a load of hang time on it. Yeah, yeah. It's Look, every team is trying to use the ball, each and every ball they get. They're trying to use it really well and pick out a player. And sometimes in that situation, you can force the issue a small bit. And Paddy will notice himself. You know, he looked across and in fairness to him, he kept his composure and if he did make a pass there, people would have said, you know, and actually, to be honest, I think another five or ten yards and he would have made a great pass. But that's the risk you're taking. He landed it straight into Lee Chin's hand. So, look, sometimes, I mean, I'd always say that if you are in doubt, especially if you're in the back line, if you are in doubt and you don't think you can make the pass, you know, that's where you start banging one towards the edge of the square. So, look, Paddy will know that himself. He knows it was um, a dodgy pass to do and they were punished accordingly. But, um, yeah, look, again you force the issue too much sometimes you'll you'll crop up a few easy balls like that and unfortunately it happened for Paddy Deegan yeah it, it, de- it definitely did like I mean the game ebbed and flowed so much this one made it such a brilliant game Brian like I mean at, at one time you thought Wexford were well in control they're four points up then you think Kilkenny are well in control like I mean I remember specifically um, Kevin Foley was turned over under the Cusick stand by Adrian Mullen and TJ Reid got a point and I put Kilkenny four up and I went look da-, I remember just thinking to myself that's the end that'll be the end of Wexford now and it wasn't they came back again and then David Dunn got the goal uh, from a puck out and Brian Cody thought the game was over Did you see him put the hands up into the head like that was such a huge score at that stage Brian like I mean the, it wasn't just a great game because it was nip and tuck one team pulled away got caught then Kate went behind it was incredible that way yeah, it, was, it really was. And I suppose that's what made it such a thriller. It was like they got their periods of sentency and they made hay because they were able to rattle off three or four scores in a row. So, you know, there was that two, three, four-point swing, as you said, at times. Um, I think the David Dunn goal was brilliant thinking from Mark Fanning um, uh, and Wexford. I don't know if that was pre-planned or not, but obviously Parik Walsh was marauding down the wing, went for shot. We've seen him score a, a, an unbelievable point like that in Wexford Park a couple of years ago. Um, but obviously Wexford... Uh, said right if he goes out of the centre like that bang it straight down the middle you know and he, and he got caught underneath the puck out and um, so they, they knew what they were at and David Dunn just obviously still a breaking ball but they knew that their hole was there and um, you know he did well to finish it to the back of the net you know there were, you probably would have seen a pull down um, only for the, that rule I think that that's I think that's where the new rule actually maybe helped uh, open play in that situation because he, he probably would have been pulled down um, but he took the goal really well. And as you said, it looked like Wexford then did, had had their moment, you know, that they were, they were going to kick on. But somehow Kilkenny forced their way. And amazingly, it was Wexford that had to come back at the end to try and draw it. So it was just, yeah, I just, I just think, you know, you have to tip your hat to both teams because uh, it takes two teams um, to, to really make a thriller over like they did. And as I said from the outset, I think Wexford would have beaten a lot of teams on the day. It's just that, that staying power and that willingness to, to stay going for Kenny that they really weren't going to lie down to um to to Wexford on the day. I can't say I'd agree with Davy with his he's um his kind of take on it after the game that he felt that Wexford were clearly the better team over the seventy minutes. I don't think you could call it. I think I think, you know, a draw was a fair game over seventy minutes. Um, you know, it's very I know he was in the heat at the moment and calling it as as he saw it from his team, but 
for me, it was uh, the draw was the fair game. It was the extra time. I think the eight points, and I think Paul said it earlier, it did flatter Kilkenny for a finish. I know, it definitely flattered Kilkenny. There's no doubt about that. It was more the second period they, they pulled away. Like, mm. I mean, Davy said they were the better team over the 70 minutes. Like, you could make an argument to say that's the case, but you could make an equal argument to say Kilkenny was the case. That's why yeah. probably you come back to Brian and the draw was the fair result. I don't know yeah. what Davy's gaining by saying that. No, yeah, and, and, and like Brian is saying, it could be the heat of the moment because... I think anybody who watched that match looked at it and said the draw was the fair result. I mean, it just ebbed and flowed so much and that's what we enjoyed about it. I couldn't say at any stage where I thought, oh, Kilkenny lost that or Kilkenny threw that away or likewise at Wexford. There were times there where I thought, Wexford, they're after pushing up by three now. Kilkenny are in trouble here. But likewise, Kilkenny got up by about three points and went, oh yeah, we're, we're... you couldn't call it. So yeah. to say either was the better team in the 70 minutes, it wasn't. But something I thought that was interesting about the, the done goal was that he was actually better off. Kilkenny were better off that he actually scored the goal because Jimmy Marr had pulled him and dragged at him and flicked at him and he could see Fergal Horgan was going to say this is a penalty. He scored the goal and he waved it will allow the goal. So as a result, didn't have to punish Jimmy Marr. Right. Jimmy Marr stayed on the pitch for what would have been the 10 minutes he would have been off. So as I, when, I, when I saw the goal at the time, I said, they're actually better off to let Wexford score here. Not let him score, but if Owen Murphy saved it, Jimmy Marr was going to the sideline for 10 minutes. So it allowed them, like Brian was saying, it's a double punishment they were probably going to score a goal anyway from a penalty. So you're just going, do you know what? We're better that we have 15 men on the pitch here now at this time because, you know, you wanted the next 10 minutes, exactly what Kilkenny did, pulled back the lead by having 15 men on the pitch. Yeah, they actually, uh, Paul, they, they, like the way they dealt with the, the sin bin was incredible. Mm. Yeah, it, it was. And they kind of knew, well, you knew you were going to have to put on a keeper anyway. But they, they, I thought in fairness, Kilkenny the weekend, something that probably haven't done over the last few years, Initially, they started off really well of, they pulled back and you could see they're right back to the 45, their full forward line. But after about 15 minutes, they said, no, this isn't working. We're going to push it up a small bit here now. And they got real results off that by pushing up, making Fanning go long, winning the puck outs and turning them over. But then, like you said, when the man was sent off, when Owen Murphy was sent off, James Bergen came off, Darren Brennan went into the goal and then they sat back again and basically said, right, we're going to weather the storm here now for 10 minutes. And once Wexford didn't get too much results off it, it, it nearly gave more of a kind of an impetus to Kilkenny. Kilkenny were now going, we are after weathering this, we're about to get a man back now. And again, that's where the bench really came in for Kilkenny because James Bergen had to go off, but then he had to come back on a while later and it didn't seem to phase him. So did what I what I really admired about him that they maybe, you know, Kilkenny teams that I was part of maybe two years ago mightn't have been prepared for that. You know, it's hard to call, but they, they, did, they did react to being down a man really well, set up really well, and the players worked really well as well, knowing they're down a man. Yeah, they, seemed, they, they definitely did. Talking about bringing players off and on, like, I mean, De- De- Declan O'Keefe was taken off and brought back on seven minutes later and Sean Murphy was brought off and brought on seven minutes later. Brian, like, I mean, when you're taking off two very important players like that, surely they're completely wrecked. Yeah, look, that's a bad call, being honest, Willie. Um, it's not a club situation uh, where, you know, you really are only working with your 17 or 18 players. Davy has, I'm sure, 35, 36 guys at least inside in that panel how do you turn around to them and tell them honestly that I trust this panel? You clearly don't. Um, and, you know, he, he, he's used a lot of them during the league and, uh, you know, he, he, he should have went to his bench. And that's, I think, what Kilkenny did. Um, and you have to trust him because as good as Lee Chin is, he was on one leg, he was thrown in full forward. 
he was clearly not right. They had to take him off. It just doesn't work at Intercounty. You know, if you're not right, you don't play. Um, I think Brian Cody's ruthless in that situation. And Paul, you've you've seen it obviously more than myself and Woolley have seen it. But if you're not right, you just don't play. It doesn't matter who you are, you're off. And and he's right. It's just too high stakes at at Intercounty level. Um, and it, it's it's just a bad bad call. But I want to go back maybe just for a second to how Kilkenny dealt with that Wexford goal. I think they really learned from their Leinster final defeat in 2019. When you know Wexford got a goal with maybe about seven or eight minutes to play or ten minutes to play, and Kilkenny kind of panicked coming down the closing closing stages and maybe started lobbing balls in and went for goals instead of actually taking their points. And they had they actually had three point scoring opportunities that day in the Leinster final two years ago to maybe actually get a draw. But whereas I thought Kilkenny stayed composed um, on Saturday and actually worked the ball up the field and took their points um, as they arose. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's not to underestimate how much work Kilkenny have done in the background um, in terms of the, their style of play and the way that they actually approached um, you know, those closing moments in the game and they didn't panic. And I think that's what uh, Cody has to be given credit for. And as I said, along with the substitutions, I think he got it right. On the other hand, I don't think David got those substitutions right. Who would have thought of Kilkenny or a tactical team now, Paul? Like, I mean, We've always been. We're just lying to you the whole time. <laughs> but, but I, I did notice, like, I mean, and I, I, I see all that, like a lot of the way the middle's a battleground and they dropped off and, it, and mm. then they'll just launch a long one, which I love yeah. to see. Like, I mean, there's variety there, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, you have to keep them guessing. Yeah, and that's it. And it, it's the balance of working the short play with the long play. Like, if you want to, if, if your real aim is you have a dangerous man in at the edge of the box, well, yeah, and you want to hit long ball on top of them. Well, what you have to do is you actually kind of have to play the short game so that the half-back line, the midfield on the opposition starts stepping up on you because yeah. they're going, well, they're going to play it short if we step off them. And as a result, they pull out. Now you can land your long ball in. And they did it. You know, Owen Cody won one or two balls in on the edge of the box. And now you have a full back line who are going, uh, like, what do I do here now? Like, yeah. you know, do I play from behind, play in front? And, you know, when you see that acres of space in front of you as a full back line, like that's the dream situation for the forward line. So, you know... Kilkenny got the mix right there of stepping back you see Walter Welch even when he came on he tracked right back um, he was back in the left half back position for Kilkenny won a ball and then turned and had a little look and popped it off and Kilkenny worked the ball into Owen Cody on the right side and you look at the space that was around Owen Cody that was because Wexford had to pull up because Kilkenny were coming out looking for that ball looking for it and it's a case of you either step up and mark your man and leave the space behind you or don't step up cover the full back line and Kilkenny will put it over then from 60 yards out so Mixing it, finding the balance is, is I think is just the key in, in, in playing that game. Yeah, and Kilkenny definitely seemed to have done it. What about Walter's goal, uh, Brian? Does anyone in hurling, does any hurling person not love Wal- Walter Walsh? Like, I mean, he's, he's a fan's favourite in every... In every ca- like, here's the thing, we're going to talk about goal-scoring opportunities and... And, you know, and we all agree on James Owen's decision. Don't don't think I'm making up any argument, not. But when Walter Walsh caught that goal, was that a goal-scoring opportunity, Brian? <laughs> You're playing devil's advocate here, <laughs> and thanks for throwing this one to me. Um, no, it was, it was. There's no doubt about it. The, the second he caught it, you just knew he had, he was on the inside of his marker. The Wexford players, you know, were were the wrong side. He he had to he had to kind of yard on them, and he was bearing down the goal. So there was there was no doubt about it. It was very hard, and as we subsequently seen, it was very hard for Wexford to get cover. Um, across to actually stop him and he's much quicker than people might might appreciate they might have seen it on Saturday how quick he was for such a big man and he's so powerful of as well but he did really well because of the way even the way he finished it to avoid the hook um, was really good and um, it, it was a great finish and it just look at obviously 
it pushed Kilkenny, it finished the game out really. They got they tagged on a couple of points afterwards, but that was more Wexford obviously were were hitting, you know, a little bit of high and hope ones down into the other square and they kinda of sucker punched them with a couple of points under the rim. But the goal obviously was the one, it was the death knell for Wexford. So it was a great goal, full stop. Just the, that ability to win your own ball. Obviously Walter Walsh has that in spades, the height of him, as, as Paul said earlier. Um but just obviously showing pace and and finish. Brilliant goal. Yeah, Davey wasn't happy about the reaction. Did you see his quotes about James McGarry now after yeah, the Walter Walsh that, goal? Yeah. So you could see James McGarry's reaction when they got the second goal. He nearly jumped out of the stand and came down to tell me about it. So it must have it must have meant a lot to them, which is great. And fair play to him. I'm glad to see his enthusiasm is so big, but I won't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the most Davy comment I think you can come away with. But uh, uh, look, Davy would recognise when a lad is celebrating. Like so, I mean, yeah, it was a funny one. But it, look, it followed the comments also as well of saying that he thought that they were the better team over 70 minutes. So look, the blood was up in Davy, and it was a big match for him as well. So. Um, yeah, look, it's it's look. He didn't say anything bad, James McGarry. I didn't see it. He could have celebrated all right. And if he did, he did. If he did, he did. He's yeah. entitled to. Come here, just uh, Paul. Well, uh, I'll ask you this one: Is was that a Wexford collapse? Because I'm thinking of the Leach in goal against Tipperary that year in the Ireland semi final. And for all, watching that game, you think, Jesus, here they go now. Mm. And they they, they never. I, I I don't know the stats. I don't think they scored much after that. And that was even after Tip having a man sent off. They've scored that penalty. They're three points up, a man up. Mm. in extra time yeah you could I'd, put that there is there, is there something know, men- mentally it, it, here working I'd say I, I wouldn't call it a collapse no I wouldn't I wouldn't be too hard on Wexford saying it that way what it seemed to be was that I mean we saw that Kilkenny kept coming back likewise Wexford kept coming back at Kilkenny when Kilkenny went ahead but you know they got the goal they went the goal up and Kilkenny came back again and once they drew level Kilkenny maintained the pace they were playing at maintained you know what they were doing kept the intensity up whereas Wexford just seemed to kind of peter off a small bit you know they just couldn't like we said we're talking you know they brought back on players that were after playing 70 minutes of hurling and you're throwing them back in whereas Kilkenny were bringing lads off the bench who were mad for road had a point to prove were, like again I mentioned James Bergen already but he came on and you could see what he's doing off the ball he got balls and he put them over the bar Walter Walsh is coming on and he played okay he played the second half of the match but he came on and he had a point to prove and he, there was fire in the belly they just seem to Kilkenny used all, all bar two subs on the match panel for the day whereas we're looking at Wexford bringing back on us they just couldn't maintain what was happening so I think Kilkenny yeah. stayed at the standard stayed at the level kept the intensity and Wexford just petered off I wouldn't call it similar to a collapse no, it wasn't more tired. Yeah, they yeah. just tired yeah. that was it yeah yeah okay maybe a collapse is a, is a little bit uh, is a little bit two bad misses though from Chin and McDonald uh, uh, Brian which they'll be kicking themselves over like they're gimmies for those two players um, there's no doubt about that. Here, actually, Owen, we'll we'll do performance of the weekend here because uh, we we've loads of games to get through. I'm I'm giving it to Owen Cody. We don't have time to go through a list. Did he come of age, Brian? Like, I mean, is this Owen Cody after putting in his first year, and like some of the scores he got, and they were all hard scores, Brian. There was none tapped to a young lad and put them over. These were scores being tightly marked, shaking his man off and sticking him over. Odds. Uh, he was he was absolutely excellent. And I agree with you on the performance the weekend too, um, from a Kilkenny perspective. Absolutely, but one five. You don't score one five too too easily against a Wexford team, especially with a sweeper. And they were lucky to have a sweeper because Kevin Foley made a great save, uh, the block down from me, and there was a little tug on his arm just yeah. before that as well. And he was unlucky. He hit the post as well with another opportunity. So like you know he he could have scored three five and had a, had a you know another upper, couple of opportunities. So it was a it was a brilliant performance. But anyone that knows anything about um, Owen Cody, his performance with Ballyhale, um, the underage with Kilkenny, this guy has it. You know, he was young hurler of the year last year. Um, 
and he he had a decent first season. You know that kind of way. Um, he he picked up his young hurler here, and uh, there wasn't a huge amount of candidates for it, but he probably still deserved it. And on the overall, if you looked at the candidates that were going for it, he he had a good year for Kenny. But as as you said, I just think this was the the game where the whole country now is has has woken up to how good Owen Cody is. He's a huge find, and you know you add that into Adrian Mullen, who's only coming back. His work rate was unbelievable as well the other day. Um, he's another obviously star as well that in in the making. He he's a former uh, young hurler there too. So it's um, Kilkenny, you know they have it. You know you add in TJ too and a couple more. So these boys are not going anywhere, and it's it's phenomenal that you know people are calling for Cody to go over the last number of years. Maybe lazily so, but you know he's won a league final. He's won, uh, he's won a Leinster final. He got them to the All Ireland. And uh, he's back in the Leinster final again. Who say he won't win it again? So, um, you know, he's he's adapting to the modern game. There's no doubt about it for Brian Cody. Yeah, look, Owen Cody, I agree with that as well. He, um, like like Brian was saying, one five. I mean, it, it, it's brilliant. He's 20 years of age. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible out of him. But, you know, what I saw from him, not even like that the scores were just popping to him. He really worked really hard for the scores. And when he got them, like one score we haven't even talked about was the one where he kind of danced across the 65. Or, he was somewhere out there and he just pushed the man off, turned back onto his left side and stuck it over. And then once he stuck it over, he turned and yeah. shouted at lads, come on, we're going again. And even after the goal, after every score, he was turning, shouting at lads, shouting at TJ Reid, shouting at lads around him. And I was just saying, like, this is a mature performance. And just from playing with him, having him in the dressing room and seeing him, he has an excellent attitude. He just comes in and, you know, coming from a fellow who played with Ballahale, been surrounded by great hurlers all the years, young hurler of the year. You know, some people might fall to fella or wouldn't fall to fella if he'd feet come off the ground. His feet are planted on the ground, this fella. Um, and he's great attitude. So, look, I mean, as a Kilkenny supporter, it's just great to see this going forward. Did you know he was go- as good in the air? Or is that known in Kilkenny? I didn't know he could, would be able to pluck balls like that. Ah, he would be, yeah. I just think that the ball that he's been supplied over a long time, like he would have been feeding off lads like Colin Finley and Mick Finley and these lads. So maybe we haven't seen that as much. But he right. is, or maybe he's worked on it a small bit. It isn't something he is noted for, I suppose, as the high catching. But um, I think he caught two or three great balls yeah. the weekend, which is, look, again, if he is working on it, I mean, it's another string to his bow, you know. Yeah, no, it definitely. One other thing, just before we, 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 um, we go off this match, um, Brian I loved how sneaky he was for his goal he just took the chance that Liam Ryan might mess that up and he did mess it up like I mean he's like okay I might be decent in the air but I'm not going up with him that would be stupid I might just take a chance and it worked out Ah yeah but look look, I think that's that's the, the poster's finish in any good good forward you have to take chances like that and if you don't um, sometimes those goals opportunities don't come, 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 come to you but then the other side of it is if Liam Ryan had a cut that he was going to be it because he was letting Liam Ryan go up in his own. But so look, it's 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 a fine line. Sometimes we often talked about Woolly in this show as well about breaking ball. Sometimes they go for you, sometimes they don't. And as a forward, sometimes you just have to take those chances and 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 the pay off. And I think that's exactly what happened the other day. Yeah, exactly right. So Dublin caused the shock of the weekend. I don't think anybody saw this one coming except for Conal Keeney. But he always tips Dublin. So maybe a <laughs> clock is just a, a stop clock is right, yeah. uh, or whatever that saying it is. Like the whole question we were asking here, Paul, last week is how can Dublin stop this? 
Galway attack. It's so potent. Mm. It's so versatile. It's very hard to plan for because they're always moving around. Yeah. So how did they do it? Just with, with Burke as the sweeper? Is this how... Or yeah. just brilliant defending? Well, they just seemed to pull back. Matty Kenny said it afterwards. Uh, he recognised that, you know, in the interview afterwards that Galway obviously have a very strong attack. And I suppose they were coming into the match knowing that their performance had been... Or performances in the league, you know, they, they haven't really done anything... Of, of great note within the league but so they sat right back but what they kind of again it's what we're talking about of Galway kind of had to pull up on them because they were using the channels they were working up through the channels and seemed to be getting scores from there Danny Sutcliffe was again getting on balls kind of the old Danny Sutcliffe we used to see yeah. and as a result then Dublin kind of had to step up on them but there was I think there was even a little bit more to it there was this aggression that we kind of missed in Dublin over the last while Dublin are a huge confidence team any team like, like let's say the Conal was in or any of these they went ahead with you. They were up in your face and they were a great team not to let a lead slip. You know, they'd always be up in your face and drive it on. And we kind of saw a bit of, a bit of that in them. We saw a serious fight. Chris Crummy got on a lot of ball and won a few frees and there was that aggression then again. And it would seem to be all over the pitch. Again, I think there's been a few things over the last week again that has probably galvanised them as a team. And I think they saw this really as an opportunity. I would always say that like Galway in 2012 probably caught us on the hop in the Leinster final because maybe our head wasn't completely focused on the match not not the match but we were going up to often play a game they were going up to win a game that's the way we were often describe it maybe Galway were a little bit caught here they hadn't played in three weeks maybe saw Dublin's form in the league and maybe they were just at 1% off whereas Dublin came in playing a game that we hadn't seen out of Dublin in the league and they just absolutely put the foot down Galway went for scores far too goals maybe far too early but having said that Alan Nolan like created a platform for Dublin in the match. If those went in, you'd nearly say Galway probably would have went on and won the match. But Alan Nolan, like the old kind of war dog, saved the balls and then Dublin went up the other end, got the scores and I think a confidence build in Dublin then and maybe a little bit of unsure uh, insecureness or whatever it was in Galway, they kind of got a little bit rattled, you know. Yeah. But Dublin were full value and it was the kind of the old Dublin we've seen over the last few years. They, like, was there an element of overconfidence with Galway, Brian, to be going for those goals? Like, would they have been saying in the Galway dressing room, let's stick in a few goals early and put this to bed? Like, was it unusual for Joe to go for the goal from the free? Um, obviously, the, the, the goal chances from play, you'd say, are fair enough. Yeah, I thought um, the goal chance from the free he should have tapped over. And I know you, you can counter-argue that. It's the, it's the first minute of the game. You have a 21-yard free, take your opportunity. But when you're just a little bit left of centre of the goal, I just think it's one of those ones where you where you, where you you just tap it over. Um, I think Conor Cooney was probably the one, unless he mishit it. You know, he rounded his man and it looked like he should have just tapped it over the bar. Um, his shot went quite low. It looked like it was a low trajectory. It was blocked down. I think it was Shane Cooney came across and blocked it down. But, it, you know, it, it kind of looked that he spurned a, an easy point-taking opportunity and went for a goal. So those sort of things, you know, they obviously build confidence in Dublin. And the fact that even when Joe got the couple of 65s, he didn't nail them. Um, all those things just add huge confidence to Dublin. And it was amazing. It was like, it was either six or eight minutes old, the game was old before Dublin actually scored. So Galway had done all the hurling, all the pressing, all the attacking and had nothing to show for it. And Dublin got down the field and got their first point. And, you know, after the 18 minutes, it was six points to one for the water break. Dublin probably only had about six or seven attacks, but they scored every single time they went up the field. Um, I'd say possession-wise, Galway were, were totally in command, but uh, it just allowed that the, the Dublin players on the day to grow in confidence. And, we all know um, any team that we've been involved in, if, if your confidence gets up, your gander gets up and you just start attacking balls and winning balls and they just look ravenous after that. Um, 
and I know Shane O'Neill was a little bit touchy afterwards uh, in an interview uh, with Off the Ball where he was a bit kind of offended to maybe say that um, you know Galway weren't as hungry as Dublin but Galway obviously were up for the game and wanted to win it but it's, it's the body language it's the demeanour of the Dublin players they just looked mad up for it and they attacked everything as if their lives depended on it it looked more like the Galway as you said were intent on putting them away early and then uh, when that didn't start to work out it was you know they were working through their process and the game plan that they were trying to play whereas Dublin while they had all that right they also had a huge work rate and huge intensity and they just maintained that for the 70 minutes the other side of it is, it doesn't matter who you are, and we've seen this, like Galway are one of the favourites of Ireland. If you miss loads of chances and your confidence starts to dip, it's very, very hard to turn that around. Um, it, it's just, it, it, I suppose, it, I keep saying it on, um, on this show and many shows, it, it's the beauty of hurling. Things like this can happen. Yeah, no, well, nobody really saw it coming. I, I was actually driving home. Um, I was listening to a lot of this on the radio. And then when I got in home, I was kind of taken aback at how comfortable Dublin were mm. in the closing minutes. And Galway were hitting it down to Rush and Barker, whoever was sweeping. And it's just yeah. like this. Look, like usually you'd think Dublin, Jesus, backs will be to the wall now, nerves. There was none yeah. of that, was there? No, there was none of it. And you could see it all over the pitch, um, you know, when we're there on Saturday. It was just, they were completely in control. They were completely in control. And, and, and like Brian was saying, they had a huge confidence. Wherever they were working the ball out, the ball would go into the full back line. Al Nolan would get it. And he'd look out and out to the side. He had players looking for it and they'd slowly work it up the line and then we saw incidences out there where like Danny Sutcliffe got a ball one-on-one with Dahi Burke and he just ran at him ran at him quick little sidestep and from probably I think it was the 65 not too far from the sideline over the bar and that just I think you know just showed like how confident Dublin were on the day and it didn't wilt you know like you're saying it didn't wilt coming down the final stretch if Anton their confidence they, they, like it's like they smell blood their yeah. confidence built and built um, and even like the Oshin O'Rourke goal or well it's the Chris Crummy goal but you could see Oshin O'Rourke you know when you're not confident those things don't really come off he got the ball turned looked across and stuck a ball to Chris Crummy and Chris Crummy still had a lot to do with that set he had to control it the angle was hard and he, and he buried it now some would say maybe those are the things that go for you the days that you're you know the luck is in but that, I think that showed the mindset of Dublin at the time. They were confident and they were, you know, when you're confident, you think these things will work. This will happen. I'll, I'll get this ball across, even though there's Galway players between me and, and Chris Comey. But they, um, no, the confidence brilliant, was brilliant pass by O'Rourke, wasn't brilliant, it? Brilliant. You, you love know. seeing a ball like that. Well, that was it. You know, he got the head up. He was under pressure and he didn't panic. Could have went for his point. We saw lots of points scored from that position at the weekend. But no, just got the head up. And also as well, Chris Crummy gave him the option. He was sprinting through the centre. Yeah. And that shows Chris Crummy's and Dublin's attitude that they were going, even though he was out to the side, I'm going to give a man an option here. And if teams aren't confident or the confidence is low, players don't make them runs. They just, ah, look, I'll let him sort this out. I'll let him get the score. But Dublin were barreling forward. And I think there was another man off Chris Crummy's shoulder. Then again, it could have been Sutcliffe or someone. So, look, they had loads of options. And I think that reflected the confidence they were playing with. Exhibit number two, Brian, was a goal on when Oshin O'Rourke had the, had the ball in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm leading, I'm leading yeah, up to something here, lad. building. <laughs> you're touching on something. I don't know what you're it touching. Touches, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're saving me in this one. No, definitely wasn't. But uh, do you know what made that goal, though? Ronan Hayes' movement, our full forward, mm. pull Grodd... Pulled Garod McInerney out of, out of the danger zone and created that space and turned the Galway half-back line back towards their own goal, which we all know half-backs hate. And the, as, as Paul said, the two uh, Dublin players were sprinting into that that open open ground. And it, it was a great goal. And they could have had another couple of goals. Um, I think 
I'm going to wrong someone here. Was that right? I think it was Ray McBride went through with a ball and should have thrown it into Ronan Hayes, who was all on his own um, in the centre. And uh, you would expect him to finish one on one, but he, he elected to shoot, and it was it was a poor mistake there from that perspective. And then Murphy made a great great save just before, prior to that as well. So Dublin had opened them up, you know, that that two or three op- times in that second half. So eventually just they worked one of them and Chris Crummy took it um, really really well because Andy Murphy met it hard on him you know he forced him out very very wide um, and uh, Chris Crummy showed a lot of uh, was composure to actually finish that to the back of the net you wouldn't think he was a back for most of his life No he's well able to score a goal I mean, he scored a brilliant goal against Galway a couple of years ago when they beat him in Parnell Park from, mm. from wing and that's not well. to be underestimated as well Willie the fact that they have beaten Galway in big games so you know D- Dublin no more than most teams when you, when you feel you can beat a team you know and they've done it before you know you just you love it and you love when you're being written off so much as well and remember they had that game played against Antrim the week before where they were kind of half written off as well and they, they were hugely impressive I was up at that game in Navin and they were hugely impressive that day so you know this Dublin team they have a lot of experience and one uh, line I have to give huge credit to is their full back line they're animals the pace of the three of them they're so well built um they're, they're, they're like models the size of their arms and shoulders and the pace of the three of them um, it's a pity to see Owen O'Donnell get injured like those boys flying out the balls they make it so difficult to uh, to anyone you'd be hoping that Owen O'Donnell will get back in time but he has had these injury problems over the last number of years but uh, they will need him if they're going to rattle Kilkenny uh, Connell Keeney was making that exact point that Dublin don't fear Galway at all they like mm. they like playing them and remember him and Damien Hayes arguing Damien says yeah but that was a really good team you played on Connell this isn't a good Dublin team <laughs> like we didn't see it coming, but this is redemption for Maddie Kenny because mm. I've been very critical of Maddie Kenny on the show here, and like I'd say, rightly so. And pundits have been too. But this is a huge, huge win. He needed this. Like yeah. he was, he was in danger of going out with a whimper because he's probably finished after this year. Yeah, like well, to be fair, you know, if you're criticising Maddie Kenny over the last while, I mean, he hasn't done a huge amount. Like we were talking the last few weeks, that do Dublin know what they want to do? Do they know what their yeah. exact fifteen is? What are they about? And whatever they've done in the last while, like the Antrim match and, and, and the match at the weekend against Galway, I mean, they just seem to be a completely different team and they really know what they're about. Um, whether it's they've gone back to basics, whether I don't know what it is, but they're not the same team that was playing in the league. So, you know, based on the reflection in the league, it was fair to say that, you know, you know, what is Matty Kenny doing? What's his game plan? What's his... So, but yeah. again, he has redeemed himself and fair play to him. Look, Matty Kenny, he's a great hurling man and he's had great years with Kula and, different, and Galway as well. And and look, in fairness, he stuck at it. He stuck at it really hard. And I'm sure he enjoyed the last few days of not having the pressure on him or maybe, you know, people talking about what are Dublin about. You know, it was a great victory. And you even saw the Dublin team coming off the pitch at the weekend. You know, there was a great Dublin crowd there as well. And I'm sure they enjoyed that as well because they would have been feeling the pressure over the last while. But, you know, Matty Kenny d- deserves full credit after the weekend. He had him set up really well. And like there were, there were, you, you couldn't fault him in anywhere on the pitch. Um, so you know, fair play to him. He deserves all the credit this weekend. We won't, we can't get on, no, get on to him this week. We definitely can't. And he said, he admitted after the game. He said we set up very very defensively. We had mm. to. We stayed defensively solid and we stuck to the process. I'll I'll forgive him for saying that. And we kept <laughs> coming out with that ball. We used the ball well, kept the scoreboard ticking over and worked some really good scores. And I suppose that's it. Defend setting up very defensively, fighting for every ball. Like the players clearly still want to play for him uh, Brian yeah they do um, and, and look they, they set up where they maximise everything as you said they, they're sitting back defensively uh, Liam Rush gone back centre back now he was really troubled by Neil McManus the week before Neil McManus got six points from playoff him, but you know Liam Rush stayed sitting in the pocket and I suppose 
uh, you know, from a, from a Dublin perspective, you he probably and Matty Kenny maybe looked at maybe the midfield and half forward line weren't covering enough there to allow Neil McManus that room and space to to snipe six points. But to be fairness to Neil, he did he did take on Liam Rush a couple of times and, and cause him trouble. But look, Liam Rush learned from it and uh, he put in a hell of a performance at the weekend, sitting in that pocket. But Donald Burke. You know, he wears 11, but he plays anywhere bar 11 because he's out roaming around that middle third and getting onto the great ball. And, and the Dublin players give him the ball every time they see him and he sprays it around and he pops up for a couple of points in play as well. And Danny Sutcliffe has just rolled back the years. He was excellent against Antrim. He was excellent against Galway. His ability to win high ball is obviously massive. Same with Chris Cummy. So they're able to go route one. Same with Ron Hayes. He's only thinking of goals every single time he gets the ball. And uh, Keno Sullivan has added a little bit to it as well. He's very consistent. You know, they they've, they have good players, and they came on. You know, Ocean Rourke came on, Fergal Whiteley came on, um, but they at times have been inconsistent for Dublin. Whereas maybe Keno Sullivan has uh, maybe just these couple of games anyway has offered that consistency. So it's um it's mad. There was a big hit on Keen Boland. Uh, he was uh you know he went off concussed. So um he's another man that they'll be hoping to get back because his energy is huge, and that's what allows um you know. It allows the likes of those other players to get around um, and at least creates that two-man full forward line for them as well. So you know, Dublin, they've a, a lot of players that maybe have been inconsistent over the last couple of years, but they've a lot of guys that have been consistently playing inter-county hurling at a high level um, and have been exposed to it. And you know, as we already said, when they don't fear this double or this Galway team um, and the way the game, uh, you know, the pattern of the game and how it had happened. You look at it now in hindsight, which obviously all was twenty twenty vision. You can see how this actually happened. Yeah, you can't obviously after nobody saw it. I, she's like, I just you couldn't see it last no, you Thursday. Didn't. You just couldn't. Like, I mean, it's crazy. What about Joe Canning? Like, I mean, he had a very bad uh, day at the office. We talked last Thursday that he was about to pass out Henry Shefflin. Would that have played it? Joe's mm. played in such huge games that I'm sure that he that that wouldn't have affected his performance or could it? No, uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it had anything to do with it, to be honest. I mean, Joe has lived with, I mean, I've, I've known the name of Joe Canning since I was 14 or 15 and he's only a year older than me. Like, but I mean, he's dealt with this pressure the whole way up. I wouldn't say, he, he, probably, he probably knew about it. I'm sure maybe someone reminded him of it, all right. But no, I don't think it had any, any effect on it. I think it was just really Dublin kind of stifled him a small bit. When he got his chances, you know, he he hit the few wides and he he had the goal chance stopped. Um, so at, maybe the confidence just dipped a small bit then, and you know. But oftentimes I think we turn and we look at Joe Canning a bit too much. You know when he has set the standards for himself, and sometimes when, you know, he makes a few bad decisions or he hits a few wides, people turn around and you know when Galway aren't going well or Joe Canning isn't going well, we turn on Joe Canning. But there were a lot of other players who didn't show up as much as him either. You know, but probably because he hit the wides, he was a bit wasteful in that way. Yeah, um, six, I think six wides yeah. and nine shots at the goal that didn't return anything. Yeah. So in fairness, it was, but it was a bad day at the office for him. Um, but there, you know, there was other Galway players again who didn't who didn't show too strongly. We kind of turn on Joe a small bit too much, but he'll know he had a bad performance himself at the weekend. And um, look, if 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 Galway came out of there with a win at the weekend, I don't think we'd be talking about it maybe as much. But it was a bad performance. But look, players have bad performances. He was trying his best hit the few wides just one of those days I'd put it down to yeah okay performance of the weekend we'll give it to James Madden who was outstanding in the game and had to bury his father the day before um, the game so incredible mental strength for him to be able to play in Croke Park it's always you always hear of these players like I mean I've nothing but admiration for them Brian how they can do it I'm not sure I'd be able to do it and you know it's what his father would have wanted but that doesn't make it any easier you know the, the week he would have had to put in there and preparing for a game mentally physically and 
to be able to go out and perform. Like I said, he's a tougher man than me because I don't think I'd be able to do it. No, and emotionally, I suppose, is yeah. the word there. You'd be drained, I suppose. Drained and just, you know, intercounty hurling can be emotional in, in its own way. Um, I'm, I'm sure you can all uh, attest to that as well. You know, there's a lot of pressure on, a lot of internal pressure um, can be players can put on themselves as well. And just to add all in that, you know, now, uh, you know, Maddie Kenny spoke really well afterwards in his interview and t- talked about um, how supportive, you know, James's dad was of him and, and would have wanted him to play. So, look, obviously, James then was extremely determined and I'm sure his mother and, and sister was uh, were very supportive of him from that perspective. And uh, look, it, it, not that it makes it any easier, but I suppose when you're when you're getting their support and they're just willing, yeah, sometimes uh, life is a funny way of working out for them. And you're just so glad for him on a personal level. Yeah. You know, it's, it's uh, I didn't know about it prior to the game, um, but it's something that you'd be just, you know, you'd be so glad um, that he actually did win, that he did play well because, uh, you know, Hurland's great. It's the, it's like Jurgen Klopp said about soccer. It's the most important of non-important things, you know. So it's uh, it's great that you know he had his the really good day in Crow Park on on the on the big stage, um, so soon after his dad being buried. So it's um, you know, full full testament to him. And uh, you, you, it, it's he he'd go back after that game on a high, but then, you know, I'm sure he was emotional in the dressing room afterwards. Um, when when just you know when you slow down and and starts to kind of really sink in. The enormity of what's just happened. Yeah, absolutely. So fantastic stuff, uh, James Madden. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back um, with the Munster Games. All right, so Claire and Tipperary lads, and there is only one place to start here, <laughs> right? So, like, I mean, this was, uh, like. I mean, it was just a dreadful, dreadful decision. And and the, the the pity thing about this is, is that obviously the Owen Murphy decision in Croke Park didn't affect Kilkenny, but Kilkenny knew they deserved that, you mm. know. And they, but Claire felt so hard done by, yeah. by a call in hurling to be given a penalty away for a foul on the corner of the 14 and sideline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, explain how, what could he have been thinking? Uh, James Owens. Yeah. Kilkenny's mate. Uh, yeah, great friend. I, uh, <laughs> no, look, it's. I mean, I think everyone's just baffled by it. Um, what I when I saw it initially, uh, you know, I was watching it. I have no skin in the game in terms of Claire and Tip. Um, the frustration I felt as a player watching it, I just went, "This can't be happening." Like, I mean, you train too much for something like this to happen. You invest too much time. You commit too much for something to be taken from you like this and that's what happened and make no bones about it um, like we, we were talking with Claire a few weeks ago bet by Antrim and they, they, tr- they tried to pull it back um, the, over the next few weeks they had the Covid cases again and people are talking about Brian Lowen and the, the, the panel and suddenly they seemed to be in a good place and they were playing brilliantly and then suddenly this happens and completely takes the wind out of her sails pulls the rug from under them I just felt so frustrated and and I was saying I was actually saying to myself, so why am I so angry? Like I mean, why am I so annoyed over this? It was just because that, you know, I felt aggrieved for the Clare players that this had happened. You yeah. know, um, so they must have felt that too, and maybe yeah. their heads scrambled. You know, momentarily they lost. They think two four to a pint. They lost the next two four to a pint, and there were so many things with it. Pints, I mean, yeah. there was there there was a case of you know we we talked about Aaron Shanahan's um you know that that was a penalty. You know, Cahill Barrett was lucky to stay on. He was on a yellow card at this stage. He came out on Tony Kelly. Tony Kelly was about two or three yards in front of him and he, he went to flick the ball in fairness but he hit Tony Kelly a fair stroke. Now, it was a free in 
But if I was a back on a yellow card at that stage, I'd be kind of saying, oh, God, I'm in trouble here. Now, Carl Barrett went down after. I presume he was trying to think that right. James Owens mightn't think that he was actually, that maybe he was injured or whatever, but to distract from it. But there were so many decisions there that I went, if I was a Clare player, I'd be just so frustrated, you know. And going home from it, I mean, you'd be just thinking, what do we have to do here? You know, we, we were in the best position we could possibly could be. And it, it, it was one of the worst calls I've seen. And it's not to pile everything up on James Owens, but you have to be responsible for what you've done. That was It was a terrible decision and it could completely derail Clare. You hope it doesn't, but it could completely derail Clare's chances of winning, you know, an All-Ireland, which they, they're hoping to do. Yeah, you you were at the game doing the game with RT, Brian. Like, I mean, uh, what was the what was the atmosphere like after that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was weird because um, Tip knew they got away with one. Um, Jason Ford took the penalty really well and, and stuck it and all that. Um, but the, you know, Sheedy then obviously did as he should do. He got really behind these players and got you know really got them to drive it on for those ten minutes. And you know, they, they made hay while while the sun was shining. And they got okay. They got lucky with the second goal. Um, poor ever in in the goal just obviously made a mistake. His arms got caught. Um, being a left-handed hurler, he just couldn't get his hurl across in time, um, and it, he was unfit. And I really felt from from that situation because that's the 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 harshness of playing in a goal, one simple mistake like that, and it's just it's just a huge blow to Clare from that perspective. So, but they didn't. They clearly, as you said, they didn't deal with the penalty situation really well mentally, um, yeah. and they really felt aggrieved. And look, to play devil's advocate here. Uh, the irony of this is it's they got a very very contentious penalty the week before against Waterford and they were very happy to take it and they drove on and they made they made hay at that stage and, and they got a good few scores when Shane Fies was off the field against Waterford last week so you know it just maybe that's something that Claire and I'm not trying to say it wasn't a the right decision or sorry it was the right decision it was a completely wrong decision I'm just saying it's something that maybe Claire can maybe learn from the fact that if these big calls go against you you just you can't let it affect you so much on the on the field of play because it, it really did suck the life out of them and it wasn't really till the last 10 minutes that they really threw the kitchen sink in it they scored the last five points without reply but you know like Tipperary had almost pulled away at that stage you know they were gone they were gone nine points up it just looked like the game was petering out and it was such a pity because right up to that 37th minute the game was a humdinger the crowd even though it was 3,000 it was electric down there and it was it was it was brilliant it was just real uh, monster hurling at its finest and I, I I was loving it being caught up in the moment of it all and uh, it, it just was such a pity that that such a game was essentially ruined by such a decision um, like you can see on Twitter over the last you know we'll say 18, 20 hours, there's been such contention over it. You know, I'd, like some people are trying to say by letter of the law, it wasn't, it, it was a penalty because it was inside the 21. Um, but it's such a subjective call. Like if you look at the wording of the rule book, it doesn't say clear and it doesn't say obvious goal scoring. It just says a goal scoring opportunity. Yeah. And that's, that leaves it open to interpretation. And I suppose that's unfortunately how James Owens interpreted it. Now, Brian Lawton did say in his interview, he's maybe the only one in the Gaelic grounds that interpreted it as, as a goal-scoring opportunity. And I tend to agree with Brian Lawton on that one. Uh, I couldn't see it as being a, a goal-scoring opportunity. But it is, it is unfortunate um, that, that you know, it, it's all the kind of negativity that's going on James Owens because he made a bad decision um, and it had such a bearing bearing on the, on the outcome. But just to touch on the rule for a second, I just think 
this rule was introduced to stop the cynical fouling. You know, the ones where there's a pull down, a drag, like the Owen Murphy one, yeah. you know, where they clearly stopped the goal scoring opportunity. Not what we saw with, with um, you know, where Jake Morris was pulled down. Not where we saw Peter Casey uh, for Limerick and Cork. Not what we saw last week with Cheyenne Fives and Aaron Sharner. I don't think they were cynical pull downs. They were clumsy tackles. They were poor tackles. They were all maybe yellow cards. Um Maybe Peter Casey's was dubious if it was a yellow card, but they were definitely freeze. There was no doubt about it. But there weren't cynical pull downs, and and for me, that's what the rule was in, was brought in to actually nullify in the game. Well, well, that, well, that's the thing. So, like, I mean, I know Don Logue. I was watching the Sunday game last night. He was like, "We all make mistakes and etc." And he has to be given a break. But this was just a mistake on such a horrific level that I don't think he does deserve a break because it's it's just it's not good enough as an inter-county referee. It was so obvious that it was over in the corner. And OK, it was a trip, but it was mm. a, a, a rash rush of blood to the head and it was maybe a yellow card. But because it was so far to the sideline, like the debate really shouldn't be there. And Cahill Malone was covering. Mm. So we, we know now, looking up obviously the rules, where the foul occurred referee needs to look at. Nothing there. Uh, how many defenders are between the attacker and the goals? Cahill Malone was clearly between them. And you could see that on the camera. So yeah. James Owens can see that. And there was a two-on-two two inside, right? Then could another defender make a tackle before reaching the goals? Yes, yeah. Cahill Malone. And how many players are in the area in front of the goals? That's a bit like the, the one of the previous ones. Mm. So there's no, under no instance of the four kind of factors you need to look at yeah. should this have been called a penalty like yeah. James Owens has history of being in the limelight like I mean is he a type of referee who's looking at that now from yesterday and has kind of quite enjoyed being the, in the limelight I, I don't know like because everyone talks about him everybody has the same opinion of him mm. and here he is making a call that nobody can understand yeah this is the thing look I don't know James Owens at all um, but like you said there if, if, if there was if it was a free that you know, as we are turning back and people talk of the letter of the law and all these, there is no letter of the law as far as this is concerned because it's not black and white. It's it, it, it's impossible, really, interpretations. It depends on what people think is a free. And But James Owens himself, look, I don't know him, but it's the consistency, again, you know, as players, as managers, as whatever, you know, you're held accountable for what you do on a pitch and you're dropped and you're, you're sent off if you make a rash decision. And unfortunately for James Owens, he's been very inconsistent as far as I could see across games, and which is which is the situation. And look again, I think we want referees to be consistent across the board, you know. But if 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 Clare and Tip had Fergal Horgan yesterday, it would have been a completely different match, you know. Um, and I think that in itself isn't good enough. But again, I I, I wouldn't. I suppose I, I wouldn't like to uh, to gang up on the fella in terms of James Owens and gang up on him in terms of heaping all this pressure on him. But at the same time, this is something he has to be responsible for and stand over and say that either defend it or don't defend it. And I would say also in the situation, explain it to players. I didn't see him explaining to anyone yesterday. Well, he do, he's happened. not that type of referee. And he's he not. Goes? No, he's not. And, and from what my experience of him on the pitch, he doesn't explain it. Like, you know, if I would have dealt with any referee before, we'll, we'll use Fergal Horgan. You know, Fergal would talk to you and he'd say, you know, Paul, you slapped down on a fella there, you grabbed him or whatever. And you might be annoyed at the time, but you know you've done it and you know you explain and you know what he's saying to you and what he saw. But what can be very frustrating for players when this is not explained to you and a referee just walks away and you're there, you know, to tackle itself. I mean, we've talked about it a hundred times. It was clumsy. And as Brian was saying, it's not what the rule was brought in for. It was a full-blooded tackle, really, if anything. And it was clumsy. He slid in and he... But it wasn't a cynical tackle. You yeah. know, he wanted to go in. He was after coming out with the ball. He lost the ball. Yeah. He was fighting back for the ball, and he, he jumped. Was denied, yeah. And 
you could see even when he fouled him, he was going, oh yeah, I fouled him and I knew it. And then obviously he, something would said to him that you're going to the line and you could see him reacting going, oh, you're joking me, you know. Um, but as for James Owens, look, I can't comment on in terms of what his thinking was or what, is he aggrieved after doing it? Is he feeling guilty? Does he realise what he's done? I, I, I can't comment on that. But there is certainly a consistency um, which I think has to be, you know, there has to be accountability for. We saw Alan Kelly a few years ago, unfortunately, Cork, or sorry, Tip and Watford, where the ball, his umpire said it was a goal. Austin Gleeson caught it on the line. They said it was a goal. Alan Kelly wasn't accountable there because his umpire called it. He couldn't see it. But I think Alan Kelly kind of felt the repercussions of that for a few games afterwards probably didn't get to give games which I felt would have been harsh because excellent referee but here we have a situation that are we going to be in an All-Ireland semi-final or an All-Ireland final where one of these decisions is going to come again if James Owens and you know I'm not saying James Owens shouldn't referee anymore of course not you know he's, he, he he does have excellent days at Joe McDonough Cup for a few years but no but just <laughs> what I'm saying is that you know is there accountability what's the process here of in terms of you know because if I was a Clare team going back out and as, as Brian Lowen said yesterday he feels aggrieved because David McInerney was sent off last year and then here's another instance so if Clare face again is there an explanation give it to them do they, I think they do deserve an explanation in this regard but Look, we're all held accountable as players, as managers at the top level. Referees are no no different. And unfortunately, this is a period now where James Owens is has to be accountable and has to possibly explain himself as to what the decision was. And even if he says, look, it, I made a bad decision, I think that would actually explain a lot of it. He goes, look, I made a bad decision. I think people will go, yeah, actually, that's understandable. Forgive Fair him, play, then, yeah. You're forgiven. But I think doing nothing about it is, it leaves people, you know, in the lurch and they're going, what, what is the situation here? Yeah, they generally don't come out and speak. I'll make a, a case that James Owens obviously made a horrific call and anyone that thought there was a goal scoring opportunity there, you know, and, and like, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of messing with you lads as I'm building up to stuff like Walter Walsh's goal, like Ushin Rourke. Did James Owens think that Jake Morris would continue his run there Cahill Malone would have come to him. He would have cut back inside. Remember like Cahill Mannion did against Tipperary. Uh, I think that was in the same, same ground there in the All-Ireland quarterfinal last year, whatever, in the qualifiers, and bury it in the goals. Like, is he thinking Jake Morris is that good? And is, that's a huge problem then with the rule, Brian, because what James Owen thinks might, might continue on there might have nothing like the reality of what might happen. Yeah, and that's, that is... Look, the call was wrong. Look, I'm not going to try and defend the call, right? Just to clarify, um, but it is the problem with the rule as well. The wording of it, it's so, it is subjective. But I suppose all penalty decisions are subjective because essentially the other end, and this is why Claire really, uh, maybe triply felt aggrieved, was the the contentious non penalty down the other end where Aaron Shanahan and Barry Heffernan uh, were were wrestling, and it looked like. You know the final one left with Barry Heffernan pulling down Aaron Shanahan. So you know Claire felt aggrieved down that end. That they felt they should have got a penalty. So it's it's a it's 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 a tough one. I think it does come back to uh, the fact that none of these decisions are ever explained. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's the referee themselves, whether it's the referee assessor, or whatever, but they don't seem to come out and defend referees. And I don't think they're doing justice to the referees um, as a result because they're making their job uh, ultimately harder. And obviously the general public, the the media, everyone, the players, everyone invested in the game, um, you know, are just left scratching their heads, you know, and it's that inconsistency. The bit that maybe threw me uh, in relation to the whole thing is, did he consult his linesman, you know? Um, did the other linesman, you know, essentially there's three inter-county referees there, you know? They have a fourth official as well. There's four inter-county referees there, you know? 
I'm not sure if the fourth official can can intervene in that situation. But you know, he can have a quiet word, say maybe, hey, chat, chat to your linesman here. You know, I'm not sure if this is the right decision. You know, all the umpires are hooked up as well. Um, there's enough officials there between them all to get it right. It, it really, in this day and age, is shutting all befallen on James Owens to make that decision. Um, you know, we've we've muted the idea of two referees and all this sort of thing before, Willie. But you know, as I said, there's enough of them there between them all to try and get that decision right. Um, maybe James Owens took the autonomy and, and made that decision himself. But again, we don't know. And I suppose we're left scratching our heads, wondering what happened, why did it happen, um, and and ultimately when it's such a bad call as it was the other day um, that's what leads to the utter frustration and not just for clear people you have to and, and I think Paul said this it's not just clear people who feel aggrieved over this obviously they, they feel it more because they're invested in it but all hurling people feel aggrieved over this one yeah you'd be worried if it happens in a big game there's no doubt about that what about tip in general uh, Paul did they concede kick out or puck outs kick outs no, no kick outs yes, they, yeah, they no. concede uh, <laughs> puck outs their, their matchups with Barrett and Kelly was interesting mm. uh, Heffernan and Shanahan and Bubbles out in Conlon that was more predictable because they've done put Bubbles out there before yeah at the start I suppose a kind of a, a rocky start um, you know Ian Galvin inside caused serious problems yeah. seven minutes gone he got for one for Paddy Marr was it yeah for Paddy Marr and it, but then in fairness to Paddy Marr you know and after maybe 13, 15 minutes in around there he actually came out with a few balls in and Ian Galvin wasn't in the match as much I thought they actually brought brought out Ian Galvin where they were getting great results off him inside I would have left him inside there but like that in fairness now Sheedy you know he got his matchups right bringing bubbles out on Conlon I don't think he started in that position but he drifted out there and you know in fairness bubbles got on great ball out there Seamus Callan had you know a really great game popping off balls to lads and he did a few bits of skill there I think I, I saw someone had it up there that he actually kicked the ball up to himself at one stage I think he was popping it off for Bubbles or Jason Ford got a point or someone off it before well, he handed it to Jason Ford he just he yeah, was just falling on the ground and tr- yeah and even before that he kicked the ball up to himself but you know a tip in general tip were sharp and um, you know in fairness they got to grips with the game very well and look there's nothing to say they wouldn't have went on and won it anyway certainly yeah. not but you know they were looking good and in fairness they do have great options coming off the bench as well but um, you know Sheedy is I, I think Sheedy is coming really good now at the moment in terms of knowing which team he wants to play and he does have great options there as well but I think especially bringing Shamie Callum back in and having him in at full forward like he's a, just a great man to have in there at full forward because it's nearly a case of it's like Bonner Marr at centre forward the rest of the lads can play around them because you know that position is taken care of. So if you have to move your bubbles to wire into corner forward or move them out to wing forward or whatever you want to do. Likewise, in fairness, um, Carl Barrett had a great game on Tony Kelly. Again, Tony Kelly wasn't really in it in the first few minutes. Came into it and she still came out the first half, I think, with 1-3. But in fairness, Carl Barrett had a had a very good game on him. But, um, you know, again, Mikey Breen, I think we've talked about a lot of times, you know, there's times there where he doesn't start for tip. I always think he does bring something to Tipperary. Yeah, and he has great running in him and he just runs these lines and he doesn't slow down. He just runs and he runs. And the goal, brilliant goal. He just kept running, flicked it out in front of himself. How hard was that to do? To, to He's running so fast mm. and the ball's kind of stuck to knock it ahead, but not too far yeah. and not too... You know, not yeah. enough, if you know well, what I mean. I've never been that close to a goal in an attacking <laughs> form, so Brian might tell you. But no, it was. And the fact that his first touch was important just to get it out in front of him, but then just to steady himself and get a good connection and keep it on the ground. Like, great piece of skill out of him. Um, but yeah, look, Tip are looking sharp. And it's a pity we're not talking about Tip here as, as uh, you know, being the main focus of attention. But they were in fairness. And, and like that, even when they got the man advantage, I think Tip are probably the best team in the country at when they go a man up or let's say if, if the other team lose a man they're really good they know straight away what they want to do and they got 2-4 in 10 minutes which like Brian was saying that if, if, if a decision goes against you for Clare where you don't lose the focus and you have to keep going 
Tip likewise Tip didn't pay any attention To what was after happening They just put the foot down And they yeah, said yeah. Make advantage of this 2-4 Kill the game off And you know Even after that You could just see That the confidence Was building with Tip So in fairness They were looking sharp And I think they'll be Quite happy now that you know, they're after coming away from a weekend after beating a very good player team, but there's no one talking about Tip really because it's the focus is on everything else. Maybe the focus is on Kilkenny Wexford and Dublin after winning. So Tip are in a really good position now going into the going into the Munster final. So I like you know, um in fairness to them, they're they, they were very strong the weekend and I think they're 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 happy with the position they're in at the moment. Uh the the Tony Kelly uh goal, Brian, I wrote it down because it was such a great move. It went from Flanagan to Pawdy Fitz, from Pawdy Fitz into Hayes to Conlon, long to Shanahar, Heffernan blocked him and then Ian Galvin jumped on a ball he had no right to win, showed great determination and courage and it popped up to Kelly and a bullet. And at that stage, you're thinking, Jesus, this is a real game on here. Now, I know, look, we, we know what happened then straight away and maybe the game was ruined. Like, how would, like, maybe even talk us through that, that Kelly goal and how would you have seen it? At, when you were sitting at half time? what were you thinking? Yeah, I think it was David Reedy actually got the last flick. It was him. Oh, was it? I thought it was Ian Galvin. Yeah, yeah but um, it, it, it was amazing because the movement, you know, again, you don't see these things in camera, but the movement of Aaron Shanahan for that was phenomenal. Um, and he lost Barry Heffern. He had good 20 yards on him. But uh, this is probably the the chink in Aaron Shanahan's armour is that he's not ruthless enough for those situations. And I know it worked out for Clare because um, they got the goal out of it, but he really should have had that ball over the bar. And Barry Heffernan, I suppose, it also attested the fact that he's about six foot two or three, big long reach, got a half block on Aaron Shanahan. And uh, as you said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm nearly certain it was David Reedy got the flick off. We won't, we'll, we'll, whoever it was, anyway, got it into Kelly and he just he turned and laced into net. And the stadium shook. It was unbelievable. It was a brilliant finish um, to the first half. Uh, because it had ebbed and flowed, as we said, they both had their periods of dominance and the goals, I suppose, were having such a major impact um, on, on who was in, in front. And um, it was brilliant. And, and the Clare crowd really got behind their players going off the field and the, play, and the Clare players sprinted off. So it was it was huge and was really set up, as you said, for that second half. And Clare started brightly, got the free. Tony Kelly won a free straight away and, you know, pointed that and it was all looking good. <laughs> as you said, it, uh, it, it, all, it all came a cropper. But look, I suppose I have to probably hammer that home. That's something that Clare need to learn from as well because Kenny. Even though the Wharton obviously is aggrieved, um, giving away the penalty, uh, you would have said when Kilkenny went down to fourteen men in extra time against a team that's you know s- supposed to have such uh, superior fitness in them than Wexford, um, you know you would have thought that Wexford had their opportunity there, but they, you know Kilkenny stuck with it and, and kept it tight and clawed it back in a little bit. So um, that's something that maybe this Clare team needs to learn. Uh, but you know it, it it was a pity. It was it was a pity, but uh, it was a it was a great as I said. It was a great opening, 37, 38 minutes, because uh, it, it was brilliant. But just to maybe go back on those matchups, I think Tipperary got their matchups prior to the game really good, particularly in the back line. You know, Carl Barrett being on Tony Kelly. Now, Tony Kelly went in full forward, and, you know, Polly Maher was pushed out into the corner. Claire actually started with a three man full forward line. And, you know, Polly was at six and sevens. He slipped for the goal. He came out another time, went to clear house and missed everything. And Ian Galvin. Got an opportunity to get a pint. Could have been even a half chance of a goal on. And he really caused him problems. And I think Paul's right. Ian Galvin coming out around the middle third and creating the two-man full forward line, it played into Tipperary's hands. And it was only then that Paulie Maher came into the game. And in the second half then, Paulie Maher got to go as the sweeper um, when the when the 
Clare were down to 14. And you see, at that stage, he had such a foothold in the game that when they did move Galvin back in, you know, it didn't matter. Potty Mars Gander was open. He, he just, you know, he finished strong and Galvin got injured and got taken off. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's amazing how these games can ebb and flow. And uh, small decisions like that can actually push things in your in your in your favour. But they also got the the David Reedy was tied up quite well by Brendan Maher. Um, you know, Barry Haffron, as I said, had a had a very good game in Aaron Shanahan. And then the other end, I suppose they learnt as the game went on. They made good in in game decisions. You know, Shamie Canlon started centre forward. It didn't work on John Canlon. Um and he, and they pushed him inside and you know put him back into his more favourable position at full forward and they brought out bubbles. Bubbles prior to that was playing the kind of withdrawn corner forward role to try and nullify John Conlon, but it wasn't working. You know, he was kind of caught in no man's land. He was neither playing his own game nor he wasn't stopping Conlon. But when he went out centre forward on him and drifted off Conlon, you know, he, he sniped him for four points and could have had a couple more. He was disappointed in himself on one or two occasions. So I thought Tip's in-game management was really good as well. And there's a video going around Twitter that was really good where it shows Sheedy talking to his players. He's a quiet word with uh, Bubbles. He's a quiet word with Jake Morris. And he turns around to, to Conlon I think it was at the first water break and he hits him a, a kind of a little dunt in the chest and said, get going. You know, you're a big, strong man. This is what looked like he was saying. Um, you know, start using your size and get going. And, you know, Callan just shrugged and, and kind of said, yeah, okay. And uh, I just thought that was brilliant man management from Liam Sheedy to, to know who he needed to talk to in what fashion. Um, it shows, it shows uh, he was showing all his experience in that moment. Yeah, I saw that video and I really like Shamie Callan's reaction to yeah. the, you know, the yeah. poke in the chest for everything he's done in the game to go, yeah. yes, sir. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like, a, you know, like, like he's in the army, Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I actually, I did see that, what Brian's talking about. Uh, yeah, it was brilliant. It was a great little snippet and like, how quick I mean it looked like he was nearly schizophrenic he turned so quickly from his personalities and it was literally that hand on the shoulder that literally you're alright you're in the game get the ball pop it off and one or two and straight away as soon as and you I turned around and he hit him the dunt <laughs> in the chest and in fairness to Shamey look Shamey's a great fella like Shamey just knew that like yeah listen I'm not in the game or whatever it is and just yeah 100% I'll get into it and that's the type of fella he is but um, it was great man management brilliant yeah no it definitely was right the, the last game lads Limerick uh, 222 Cork 117 not a classic at all an awful lot of wides um, in this one there was a bit there was another sin bin and penalty in this lamp one Les we don't want to spend too much time on it um, you know c- quickly looked very harsh did, Kat, did uh, Callanan go down or Cahalan uh, go down very easily like I mean is that foul was a foul but Jesus mm. could we get into a situation where a player simulates this now well you know this is what we're I, I, I think it is a dangerous area it could possibly happen that if players think that they don't go down they're not going to get it Possibly, I mean, we, we we've seen enough with, with, with soccer over the years, but um, he was kind of he was kind of cut across Casey. Like, what yeah. was Casey meant to do? What was there? Casey meant to do? Yeah. Look, and Casey isn't that kind of player. Casey was after working back far enough now to go back and not just you know he wasn't gonna, just going to foul a fella. But again, Brian has said it earlier. It, it wasn't. It was a clumsy foul if it was anything, but it wasn't what the rule has been brought in for. Yeah. It was accidental, and he might have been tired when he got back there. But it certainly wasn't cynical. Was it a goal scoring? I don't think it really was. Um, but yeah, it, it was harsh enough now for Peter Casey to be sent off, and that's it. He's not that player. If he goes back that far, you're not going back just to foul a fella. You're going back to try and get a decent tackle in. So I think it was fairly harsh in him, to be honest. Yeah, just, just to- leave corner forwards up the other end. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to get. <laughs> here, Brian, he was running past someone, and they popped the ball to him, and it was way behind them at the start of the game, and he managed. To to hold it on the hurl and bring it from behind him around to front of him before I think he scored off it do you remember that it was like a, he's out he's skill on the Keen Lynch level Peter Casey 
Uh, he's a wizard with the ball. In fairness to him, he's he's excellent. But look, they are, they were all at Keen Lynch, Groot Hegarty. The amount of times, and it's not the first time we've seen them. The flicking the ball off the the ground. We used we here in Australia, obviously, we used to call it the John Try flick. Uh, he was synonymous with it, but he did it. Uh, not that frequently in games, but the Limerick boys seem to do it two, three times a game all the time. And being f- the amazing thing about it is it's not usually a stationary ball. They seem to do it even in full flight. Right. Um, they're just they're off the charts at the moment in terms of their their level of skill. Uh, and it, you know it, it was gas. You know both teams came off giving out about their wides. You know Carr came off kind of going, "Geez, we missed one eighteen, and we could, we could have you know we should have closed the gap, and the game was there for them, and it was." But at the same time, Limerick had twenty wides. You know, and they they wouldn't have been happy with their with their uh, performance either. It was just Limerick, I suppose, got those two goals in injury time in the first half. Uh, the first one was fortuitous, but the second one was a brilliant finish by Kyle Hayes. Well, that's the thing, and like I mean, a bit like the analysis from the Clare Tip game, Cork going so well, Clare game going so well, boom, mm. boom, two goals before half time. The game was over then. Like, I was like, that's it. Like, it, it, they weren't coming back against Limerick six points down. I can only imagine yeah. what they were thinking after putting such an effort into a Paul. And mm. to be honest, playing well, got it nicely done tactically where Coleman's dropping off Lynch and the young midfielder, uh, Merrick, or is, I think his name Bellerick, is, is picking yeah. up Lynch in general play. And uh, to me, they, they fixed their puck outs, varying them lovely. They weren't yeah. being turned over. And you're like, geez, Cork are really up for this. And then just gone. Yeah. Half yeah. time within a space of two minutes. And that's it. And it's the danger. It's that goal before half time that we always talk about. That's a really important goal. But that's, again, that's Limerick, you know, in terms of champions kind of tend to do these sort of things. Yeah. Like, you know, and Kyle Hayes, you see where he came from. Like, he came running the whole way up. And there's an understanding there that, you know, Kyle Hayes could be making this run even if you don't see him at the time Dermot Burns he could be off the shoulder and that's the thing it's not even that Cork switched off they didn't do a whole lot wrong it's just that Kyle Hayes committed to making this run he has the energy and the ability I mean he's a forward most of his life he's only back half back the last year or so it is but um, but the, yeah, pa- the pass from Galan it was top class yeah oh my yeah. god it was a no look and he hit it off the ground and yeah, bounced up into his gr- hand and knowing full well because you'll, you'll know and Brian will tell you like that that's the ball that you can't block if you slap it into the ground like a player will keep the hurl up might maybe between hip to shoulder height yeah. you slap it into the ground he's not going to get the block on it but then Kyle Hayes gets it turns and he still had a bit to do you know stuck it into the side net and turned and when the camera pans back to him he's sprinting back towards left half back and it was a tough one if, if, if Cork made the half time without that you know, they might have been in a better position. But you imagine going back in, sitting in as Cork, you're out of breath, you're after really putting a lot into the half, you're after hitting a few wides, and Limerick are after doing that to you. It was a tough place for them to come back. But, um, you know, full credit to Limerick that they, they took that opportunity, created it in the first place, took it, and that's what they'll do to you. You know, even if you don't give them an opportunity, they'll create the opportunity. So that's, that's why they were... We're, we're tipping them as the main lads each year, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I mean, but it, to Cork's credit, Brian, it wasn't an eight-point game. There was those last few scores went over. Like, they had it to four. And the Cadigan missed to make it three. You know, that should have gone over. Even, did I, I, I came out of the game thinking that Cork deserve a lot of credit. I don't know what you think. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that the Cadigan miss was really the one. For about five minutes, the game was ebbing and flowing. And it was... There was no one really taking command, but Limerick were able to keep that four-point gap, you know, just there. They were keeping them at arm's length. And I suppose 
when you look at it that way, that was Cork's period of dominance because they were stopping Limerick from scoring, but they weren't scoring themselves. And Cadigan, he never looked confident. Now, it was a brilliantly worked movement from Cork just up to that. And Cadigan looked up and he thought about passing. And then he said, right, look, I kind of have to shoot here. But he really, there was two Cork players, maybe about 20 metres away and more in central position. I thought one of them should have came to him um, to, to maybe look for the opportunity to shoot. And you have to remember as well, this is Cork having not played well. Patrick Horgan probably never had a poor as game. You know, he missed the penalty. Yeah. And I, I know it was a good save, but he, to me, Patrick Horgan missed it. He'll be eating himself up over that. He didn't get it far enough into the corner. Um, and, and, you know, any top forward, you're going to be blaming yourself in that situation. Um, so, you know, he, he had a poor night in the freeze himself and he never really got into the game. And, you, you know, like... Robbie O'Flynn went off injured again and you know Seamus Harndy as well so it was like a lot of things went against Cork um, but they, they showed they showed that they were able to trouble him but the only thing is uh, you know they were quite loud in coming into this game uh, maybe not the players themselves but the Cork crowd and, and, and there was a huge level of expectation um, it was built up that this Cork team was going to take Limerick down um, and they, they'd invested a lot in it and you know um, Kieran Kingston talks about afterwards about the confidence in the camp and the confidence in the players that they were going to be able to do it um, but they just obviously came up short and, and Paul already said it champions have a way of just finding a way closing yeah. out the game um, doing enough and then turning what should be only a two or three point uh, victory into seven or eight points and that's exactly what Limerick did and they weren't overly impressive and yet having watched all the teams now at this stage could you still bet against anyone uh, actually turning them over when it gets down to the business and the championship? It's it's very hard to see it, you know. And look, um, we will see over the next few weeks, but there, there still seem to be those guys that are just one step ahead of everyone else. Harnady actually had a brilliant first half. He was uh, he was well in the action. Just just under the Horgan Miss Penalty, Quaid didn't guess a side. No, and we see a lot of goalies now guessing sides. Yeah. Now here's the thing. I know that ball's hit hard. But it's a bit further out, and you have a pretty long hurl there. Yeah. So without re- without guessing, with the length of the hurl, mm. should you be able to get across? Yeah, I think yeah, there, there's a fair argument for both. I mean, if you guess, I mean, again, you're just you're you're taking it into the lap of the gods that the the penalty taker isn't just going to wait for you to fall and dive, but you're nearly pushing it back on the penalty taker if you don't guess that you wait. You're not going to cover the full goal by just reaching or diving once he strikes it but you leave a very small space, maybe a half a foot for yeah, him. So yeah. now the pressure's on him. If yeah. you stay standing, the the penalty taker now has to stick it into that corner. And Patrick Corgan didn't. He put it just about halfway between Nicky Quaid. So I think if you're, if you're a keeper and you know maybe a keeper would have a different opinion on it, you know, you're kind of stacking the odds a little bit more in your favour. You, you say, OK, I'm banking on him not burying it right in the corner. If it doesn't get buried right in the corner, I have a chance to get to this by waiting, seeing where is it going and getting a hurl to it. And that's what Nicky Quaid did. And it was a great stop, an important stop as well, you know. Um, but, and then I suppose it goes back on Patrick Horgan because he's the one with the supposed advantage. But now its penalty has been stopped. How does that affect the penalty taker now? He has to now go back out the pitch and after missing the penalty. So it was a great tactic from Nicky Quaid. Um, still takes a good goalkeeper to do it. But maybe that's what we'll see with keepers going forward. I don't think guessing is the way to go because if you guess the ball can still fly past you it might be still turning too fast either way yeah yeah, yeah that's it um, John Kiley said after the game Brian he, he credited Canerk for the reshuffle after the, after the sin bin he said while I was thinking about it he had it done and that's what he's really good at 
Um, he had it literally sorted within a second. He spotted straight away what needed to be done and he got it done. Like, wh- what What did Canark do? Did he move Keane Lynch inside? The, inside, Because Coleman was dropping off Manny when getting free and is that the move he made or... Yeah, look, again, it's it's one of those ones when you're not at the game, it's very, very hard to yeah. really make out what happened. You know, that kind of way. So it's, and, and obviously John Kelly's not going to go out and tell you. Um, well, whoever, so, asked him yeah, that, whoever asked him that question, I would love to have, have, have like, yeah. I was looking yeah, at that look, going, was there were, no more information than that? <laughs> have I, have yeah. I, have I, <laughs> yeah, you'd, look, you'd love to have been there to, to actually see what, what was the switch that they made. But look, this is, most inter-county teams at this stage will have it planned. You know, if the team, if we've a, if we go down to 14, this is what we do. If if we have a spare man, this is what we do. So I think um, I think I think that's what Canuck's there to do. Let's be honest. John Kiley's there to run the line. He's he's um, excellent manager, but that's exactly what he is. He's a manager. He delegates, and Canuck's there for the tactical awareness and tactical tactical analysis and all those sort of things. And um, you know, it, it's his job sitting on the line to see those things and make sure that they happen. So uh, I, I'm not surprised that Canuck did it. I don't think anyone's surprised that he did it. Um, but uh, but I also think that almost every inter-county team, almost every club team at this stage should know how to set up in, in those situations. Well, wasn't it interesting that Donovan got the goal? Let's say he's never scored a goal in his life. Maybe I'm wrong on this. Like He's a more of a defensive kind of midfielder. But because Mellerick was picking up Keane Lynch in general play, I said Donovan just realised, here, geez, I, I'm free here the whole yeah, time. Just... And maybe it took him a little while to realise this. And yeah. then he gets up and scores a goal. Again, Limerick kind of thinking. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, he's not the usual man to pop up. Um Again, I suppose that's, you know, the, the confidence was probably there that, you know, it's not the player that people are going to focus on or the teams are going to focus on uh, every week going out on Donovan, you know. So the fact that he just maybe just took a gamble on it and said, you know what, I'm not being watched here. I go and, you know, fair play to him. Um, but yeah, that's the advantage, I suppose, of like you have Keane Lynch around you and you have Aaron Galan, you have all these different lads. You can maybe drift on up the pitch and maybe people are not having a, having a look at you. But, you know, fair play to him. He took his chance. I don't know if he scored a goal before, but fair I play. I would guess no. Anyway. I would guess no. We'll go with no for now and, and, unless anyone corrects us. A couple of incidents. Play, go on. Sorry, no, he does play centre, centre forward and midfield with his club doing. So, you know, the, he, w- he wouldn't be totally alien to be up there. Okay. But, um, Defensive you know, centre forward. But, yeah, it, that would be it. Though. Like, you know, he, he generally is, as, as you said, a defensive midfielder. But the, as you said, I think it shows uh, how tactically aware Limerick are to realise that you know, don't just sit back here now. You know, get up the field and punish them. And I suppose automatically what comes to mind there is, is you know what Wexford sometimes do with Kevin Foley. He's not just that sitting sweeper. He can get up the field and punish them. And I think that's exactly what Limerick did with Darrell Donovan the other day, and it paid off the goal. Now, look, they were lucky. You know, the the, the shot um, kind of. They were fortuitous, I think, the, the fact that it actually went in. But uh, still, yeah. he got himself in the right position and it was a, it was an overlap and uh, it, it paid off in the end. You, you never... Yeah. You're never going to miss if you don't shoot. If you're not in, you can't win. I think you were you were looking <laughs> for a couple of incidents to finish up with. I had to laugh at Seamus Flanagan um, buying a free off Cadigan at the start. Cadigan put his hand in over him and Flanagan mm. did the old Gaelic football trick where you hold the hand and drag the two of them down. I didn't realise that was done in hurling, Paul. Yeah. Is this a, is this oh, a hurling trick as well? Yeah, it's done in hurling. <laughs> I think a lot of people would have maybe called Owen Larkin out for a few years ago on different things. But no, it is. It's done in hurling and that's the thing with the... You know, I'd be, I'd be coaching lads at the moment, younger fellas, and they'd be saying about, you know, if you're in the back line, what I'd be saying to lads is shorten the grip, don't let them, because players are grabbing the hurl and they're going down and making it look like that the hurl was around the neck. And right. fairness, it's hard for referees to tell as well, but 
Um, no, it is something that happens a lot. That was a bit more blatant, and maybe we see it on television. But oh, there's uh, a clo- the proper close up of this one now. Yeah, the perfect execution of it. Yeah, that's it. But no, it it, it does happen. Um, I would uh, maybe being in the defenders club here, I'd say forwards do a little bit more to defenders. But oh, it, it stop now, Brian. <laughs> no, but it does happen. It happens on both sides, backs, midfielders. For everyone's doing it. But um, it's a tough one to call. It's a tough one for referees as well because it looks like a hurl has gone in around. But and then what does the player do let go of his hurl or hold on to the hurl and you're not breaking the tackle at all so unfortunately it does happen um, and when it does happen to you it, it, it's happened before you know it's happening like you're, you're in the yeah. fucking tackle as so it the whole trick is not to wrap the hurl in around. you shouldn't really be putting the hurl in around him at all anyways should you, you should just leave your hands out so he can't do that yeah. what are you benefiting from sticking the hurl around him well, this is the thing, you're trying to get a flick on the ball, but oftentimes I'd be saying to lads, you know, if you have a forward, a non-rushing forward coming in on top of you, um, you know, kind of go to him, but then pull back a small bit, but shorten up the grip, don't leave the hurl out there, because often forwards will lean in towards you. You know, oh, right, fair play to them, they're making you, because you're under pressure to actually make the tackle, so they lean in, but if you have a hurl out, the hurl, you see it, it'll rise up a small bit, and yeah, yeah, might yeah. go around the neck or whatever, but... Sometimes when in doubt, lads will grab the hurl and just, you know, completely sell the situation. Yeah, no. Not to be hard in the forwards now, Brian. <laughs> oh, well, I just think maybe it's the battles I had down through the years. Damien Rail from Limerick and Maliki Travers from Wexford that were the ultimate for winning a ball, coming towards you, wrapping up your arms yeah. and just falling on the ground. Free out. Come yeah. on, drive it on. But actually, I think of Dan McCormick. He did it actually. In, they actually waved play on um, yesterday. Yeah. Like for the height of him, he's some man to win that free where he ducks kind of the head down slightly and gets your man's arm and he, he kind of throws his own arms up into the air and say look it's a high yeah, hug yeah, around my yeah. neck um, some players are brilliant at it you know what I mean but uh, I, I think I think most people know uh, what players are at but unfortunately referees don't seem to be picking up and I think and we did talk about this Woolly before players that are ducking down uh, with their head it should like it should be a free the other way actually Shane Bennett got away with it against Clare uh, last week where he just ducked down and ran at Shane Conlon like a bull um, and he actually won a free but uh, to me those three should be the other way when you're when you're trying to duck down like that and it's like it, if the referee sees it the other way it's seen as a high tackle and it could be a potential yellow or even red yeah. um, when, when in fact the player's just totally just ducking down into the tackle I, I don't like that one at all well that's the thing in Gaelic football referees have copped on to it they don't give freeze for that anymore because it was just because in football you'd put your hand in more tapping at the ball they yeah. grab your hand and pull you down and it's a free and for years you were getting away with it but referees have totally wised up almost to the point now where they've gone too far that way yeah. and yeah. Uh, won't give you one another one I wanted to mention Flanagan obviously had a bit of a dirty flick on, on Cahillan but there was another one on poor young Mellerick where Willie O'Donoghue left a good bit on him and mm. not enough that poor Willie O'Donoghue who's a monster of a man yeah. Garod Hegarty came in and left a good bit on him then after that I was like Jesus lads you know like I mean yeah. the referee kind of just didn't make much of a deal of that at all yeah look sure again it goes back to this interpretation I mean they're tough ones to call and we want to see it be physical but then you know, there's. I saw John Donnelly making a tackle at the weekend where he shouldered. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Foley or someone. But um, at the time, it didn't look like a great tackle. You could agree that it was a free out. A free was given. It was free out. But I saw a photo on Sports File afterwards where it was fairly square, actually, the actual impact itself. But because Donnelly's a big man, he hit him hard. The other ones were a little bit different, of course, the Limerick ones you're talking about. But, you know, players are trying to go in and commit and... Let's just say he's lucky he had a helmet on him. Really. Yeah, well, it was, you know, I know it was a heavy tackle, though, in fairness, and the tackles were heavy. But um, look, again, it comes back to the referee's interpretation. What did he see? And it is hard to be tough on referees in that situation of what angle did he see it at? And But dangerous tackle nonetheless. I mean, as a player, given that type of tackle to another player, I mean, head on. We've seen a few tackles um, 
over the last while where the players have hit in the head as a player is down let's say and coming up or rising up with the ball and a tackle to the head I mean you as a player you shouldn't be going in hitting a fella in the head I mean, a bit of sportsmanship you know you're not going in tackling if you hit him and you didn't mean to fair enough but a few of them ones with the you know anything to do with the neck and the head it's it's not nice as a player to be going in as much as you want to be competitive on someone Is this is this a case just to finish up on this point uh, Brian is this like Limerick play on the edge and sometimes you almost compliment them for that and that's just the way it is yeah, I think the common denominator here was Grod Hegarty hit both of those <laughs> players as hard as you like after the free again. So it was a double whammy and he knows exactly what he's doing. I, uh, I tweeted it, a couple of Limerick people didn't like it, but he hit uh, Damien Catalan some shoulder in the head after the flick. Um, and, you know, everyone's concentrating on the flick. And, and then he hit Mellerick after that as after, well, yeah. another dunt after Will. So he knows what he's doing. Um, and you need, look, let's be honest, I'm not giving out about Grod Hegarty. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's not, Gonna, he's not going to become out all uh, as if he's a saint afterwards. You need players like that. Any team that wins has players like that. You know that that criticism is level at the kick any team that Paul Murphy was on for years. You know, all players playing on the edge, they cross the line too often. Come on, it's dog eat dog in intercounty championship. Is it dirty? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, were the red card instance? They probably were. Uh, did he get away with them? He did. You know, so like. Let's be honest, uh, as long as he stays getting away with him, he's going to stay doing them. But he will get caught one of these days, there's no doubt about it. I, the the, the Gro- whole Grode Hegarty one is a head scratcher because in the history of hurling, you cannot be that skillful and that dirty at the same time. You're either one or the other, right? So, like, I mean, you just can't be that brilliant and be a dirty uh, whore as well. Yeah, so. if you run yeah. for your money. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lads, listen, we've gone way over time. We'll leave it there. Um, that's the longest show we'll probably do um, all year. Uh, we'll be back. Um, I'm not sure this weekend. I think there's Joe McDonough or there's Joe McDonough Cup and the Leash Antrim um, relegation match. So we'll do a show on Thursday, I'm sure, and we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do. No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> he was massive. Legs, <laughs> ass, spin. But I burst out laughing. <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.